What's up, everybody? Ben Cruz here, the head of content at Vover, and I'm here to tell you about my show over on Vover, One and Done. The concept of One and Done is very simple. One guest, one question, one answer. That's it. We're looking to bring you the best guests and the best questions on every show, which will lead to the best answers. Some of my most recent guests include the creator of HBO's Entourage, Doug Ellen, one of the stars from HBO's Insecure, the always hilarious Yvonne Orji, and the Twitter legend himself, Josiah Johnson, aka King Josiah, and much more. The show leans into our short form format. Most shows are about 15 minutes, so if you don't have a full hour or two but want that quick podcast fix, check out One and Done with us over at Vover on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm your co-host, Carlos Dorn, and joining me every single week is Robert Silva. Robert, happy holidays. How are you doing, my man? Hey, Merry Christmas to all the listeners out there. As this is the last podcast we, we will be recording before that joyous day. Yep, it is. Yeah, for... Everyone that is celebrating Christmas, Merry, Merry Christmas. For those who are not, Happy Holidays and Happy New Year. We're, we're so close to the end of 2021. It it, it, gets, it feels like it's we're not close to 2020, uh, to the end of the year. Maybe it's because from where I am, it hasn't snowed in, in forever in a part of the country where it should be snowing a whole ton. But the end of the year, I, I can't believe it's... We're just 10 days away. It's kind of just coming at you like real fast. I don't know about you, Robert, but it it doesn't feel like we're on December 21st, the day that we're recording this. Let me tell you something, Carlos. And uh, you're 26 years old now. The minute you graduated from high school, your your life just flashes by you. Because college goes re- quick, even quicker than high school. And then before you know it, you're well, you're not there yet, but you're married with children and that then that goes even faster. So before you know it, Carlos, you'll be my age. <laughs> <laughs> so this past weekend we've had another really, really massive weekend in boxing. But thankfully, it's not the seventeen hour Odyssey that we had to endure the week prior. No, certainly not that. It was split between two days, and both days, Friday and Saturday, had its own fair share of newsworthy moments. Uh, the first one I want to get into, which, by the way, I, I did not get to see this fight live, and I'm talking about the Friday morning The Zone card from Uzbekistan, which was Israel Majumov versus Michel Soro. I did not get to watch this fight live when it happened because I was out uh, on my day job. But I kept hearing on Twitter, I kept reading that, that there was something horrible happening at the main event. All I could think like, oh, what the, what the hell could have happened? So we got what may have been the most incompetent mm. j- refereeing job of 2021 right here. So what happened was Majibov versus Soro Headlining at the zone card from Uzbekistan, winner was going to be the mandatory challenger to the WBA junior middleweight title. And for the better part of 
eight, nine rounds. Modromov was dominating the fight as we all as we expected. Then he had a really good ending to the ninth round. He just started battering away at Mitchell Sora, and Sora couldn't do anything. He got hurt for a, for a brief second there. Then the bell rings to end the round, and Modromov keeps punching, and he keeps punching, and he keeps punching after the bell, and the referee doesn't do a damn thing about it, because he did not hear the bell. He did not hear the bell end, and so Modromov just essentially, he, he hurt Mitchell Soro because Soro thought the fight, uh, the uh, the round was over. Majumov, right. well, referee wasn't stopping him, so he's going to keep going at it. I don't know if he heard the bell or if he didn't. I don't know. But Majumov stopped Mitchell Soro about seven, eight punches, five seconds after the round. And... After some weird deliberation, after a lot of talking back and forth with the ringside officials, the dumbest decision they could have possibly made. Israel Majumov stopped the guy after a round was over, and the result stood. Majumov wins by TKO three minutes and I guess four or five seconds in the ninth round. He is the new mandatory challenger to the WBA Junior Middleweight title. This has got to be one of the worst refereeing jobs I have seen in years. I can tell you exactly when was the last time I've seen a referee do a job this poorly. Was Robert Bird a couple of years back when the exact same thing happened with Myris Bradis and Krzysztof Glavatsky fought in the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Finals. The exact same thing happened. Referee did not hear the bell end. Both guys kept fighting. And Golovatsky got hurt real bad. Got knocked down. And the and instead of the... But, but the difference here is that the fight went to the the next round. And then Brianna just completely decimated Golovatsky. Because mm-hmm. he was still hurt. He didn't even know where he was at the time. And it was essentially the same thing. Only to a, a smaller degree. Because unlike the Briades fight this there was no world title on the line there was an opportunity to fight for a yeah. world title in the near future though i mean we, we don't know for sure if the winner was even going to challenge for a world title in 2022 given the nature of the potential jamel charlo brian castaño unification fight likely taking place in a couple of months although that has not been officially announced it is expected to be announced you know somewhat soon and the winner was going to have a mountain load of mandatory challengers and Madrimov now is going to be probably at the back of the line or near the back of the line but the result stood Robert I I, I don't know if you saw this fight live or you saw it afterwards yes. but I got it this was this was just absolutely abysmal a real black guy for boxing in my opinion I I watched it right before the better BF Brown fight because the better BF Brown undercard was one of the worst undercards in the history of the universe. Oh, we will right? get to that. We will get to that, that. But that was abysmal. But uh, you could have continued to fight because Soro was, had recuperated after the, the bogus stoppage. And he was sitting in his corner and Madrimov was sitting in his corner while the officials were going over. They should have continued to fight. To me, that was the fairest decision to make because Soro wasn't hurt anymore. He had recovered. You saw that, uh, Carlos. He was ready to continue. Uh, this fight 
should be changed to a no contest. If the WBA did its due diligence, they they have the replay. They need to change it to a to a uh, no contest and order an immediate rematch. Might as well because, like you said, Carlos, these guys aren't fighting for a title in 2022. So let's do this the right way. All right. Um, I mean, well, Zorro I don't know about willing, the WBA because willing to continue. They they posted an article saying, "Oh man, Madrimov." Scored a TKO victory o- oh, over no, Michelle Stone. I was like, come on. Like, we all saw what happened. You can't be that that gullible and that dumb. And, and, and how do they not suspend the referee as well? This is just ridiculous. That was horrible. I don't think that, Robert— That's I right mean, up there. A, Remember uh, several years ago when uh, Lucian Butte against—who was it? Uh, was it was it uh, Andrade? Who was the his opponent? That Butte was out on his feet, and the referee. The fight was in Montreal. Butte's back, adopted hometown, and the referee took his time counting Butte and made sure that he survived till the bell rang, so Butte could <laughs> regain. Remember that fight, uh, 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 Carlos? This is where I put what, that. Was, oh, God, I'm, I can't remember off the top. It wasn't Luch, the John, pa- was it John Pascal. No, no, it was the no, Andrade. It was John Andrade. Pascal. It was Librado Andrade. It was Andrade. It was Andrade. Librado and Andrade, and, yeah. Andrade dropped him late in the 12th round. Andrade was way behind. Mm-hmm. Butte was out on his feet, and the referee, uh, when um, Butte got up at nine, the referee stalled, grabbed his gloves, and then. With about two seconds left in the round, he said, fight on, and then the bell rings. <laughs> <laughs> this was on that level. This was horrible. Yeah, it was God, It was just uh, abysmal. And, I mean, look, the fight wasn't wasn't spectacular. It wasn't like a 50-50 fight. Madraba was winning the fight right. handedly, but still. What were the scorecards at the time? The scorecards at the time. I could try to see if because they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have scored the ninth round yet. So what was the scoring they after? Prob- they probably would have because they've done that kind of stuff before. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they were ever actually unveiled. I don't think they were actually ever unveiled. Oh come on! They had three they judges. The bo- they're not on box wreck. That's crazy. All right. Well, never mind. On to the next story. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean it's a shame that this happened, but I agree. What they should have done. At the start, at that fight, they could have continued to fight. Both guys were 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 ready to fight. I don't understand it. What they should have done is before you continued the fight, you would have given Soro the uh, you know the customary five minutes to recover. But, but uh, Carlos, he didn't need it because you saw he was ve- he was he had his faculties. When they announced the fight was over, he went crazy. He yeah. went, he had recovered. He had fully recovered. Because yeah, remember, but, while you know, we were but, talking, he was sitting in his corner waiting for the next round to start. Because it looked, Carlos, like they were going to restart the fight into the 10th round. And then, oh, no, the referee has called it a halt to the fight. Uh, incompetence. The best part, and I do mean this in the worst way possible. Was, did you see the ring announcer announce the result of the fight? Like, this guy, bless his heart, but God, this guy could not, I've never seen a guy read the room any worse. He goes in the middle of the ring, and he yells with so much enthusiasm. Yep. 
Yeah. Are you yeah. ready to hear the result of the fight? We're not gonna take this like what, bro? We just saw what just happened. Wait, are are you telling us that we're getting a different result? Because one, I, I that told me Madribov was gonna win. That that, yep. that that was going to win because one, there's no way in hell you would get that excited for a no contest. No way in hell. And secondly, I mean, obviously it wasn't going to be by a technical decision, but th- it, this was just so bizarre. It, it was just so bizarre that this was happening. And I've never seen a ring announcer with so much enthusiasm just yell out, are you ready to hear the result of this fight <laughs> for something this ridiculous. I got like, dude, I I'm going to guess this guy. English is not maybe his first language, mm. but my God, read a room. This is just absolutely bananas. Have you ever seen anything quite like this? Cause I sure as hell haven't. No, every, every year boxing, Shows me three or four things I've never seen before. And I've been following sports for 45 years. So nothing amazes me anymore. But God damn, that was horrible. So that was the, I guess, Friday morning slash afternoon card on At The Night. We had the Arthur Betterbev Marcus Brown card on, from Canada on ESPN+. And we'll just make a quick note of the undercard. If you're planning on having... Um, if you have a few hours of your life and you're curious and you just want to watch some boxing, I can tell you this with the utmost confidence. Please do not watch this Archer Better BF Marcus Brown undercard. Dare I say this may be the worst televised undercard of 2021. Just two one mi- uh, two first round stoppages. All right. Then you go with maybe three of the slowest paced fights, three of the sloppiest <laughs> fights, one of which for a world title I have ever seen in my life. And it was one after the other. Those three fights took about maybe two, a little more than two hours to complete. It felt like eight, nine hours. Like this was so painstakingly slow. I hated every single one of these fights. They were all so bad, and like and the these some, the undercard actually had some decent names. You know, Steve Rolls, a former Triple G opponent, Marie Eve DeCare winning a world title. But my goodness, this was just so bad. This was horrible. The highlight of the undercard was uh, what the the. Uh... The announcing by Corey Edmund, who I, who I was impressed with. I've seen him. If anybody has ever watched the syndicated program Broadway Boxing, he's announced a few times on that for Lou DiBella. Uh, he was very solid. He's got a future if the zone wants to get rid of some of that dead weight. I, I, I enjoyed Corey. Uh, he's already better than Joe Tessitore on ESPN, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would argue Corey is one of up there amongst the best boxing announcers today. I mean, no broadcaster can carry a boxing show on his own quite he did like it himself, Corey. Right. 
Right. No, well, he right. did. That's what he did not do by himself. Uh, I forgot who was with him, but he did not do it himself. Oh, uh, Steve Molitor was with him. Yes, yes. And Steve Molitor did a. Steve Molitor was solid. Yeah, they're a he good was. team. I want to. I want to. I want to see and hear more of them. Uh, Corey doesn't have the look that bro, uh, networks are looking for. He's not good looking like a Todd Grissom or a Joe Tessitore. He's little pudgy. You know, and he's not glamorous looking, but man, he is tremendous as a boxing announcer. And and um, I think I tweeted to Lou DeBella that he did a great job, and Corey Elman liked it right away. Uh, shout outs to Corey, you did a tremendous job. We need more Corey and less Tessator. Uh I think he he did the, the show by accident, right? I think Tessator couldn't make it out there or something. Something happened. I I have no idea. Well, I I think Corey was also was doing that like. In a remote setting, so I don't, um, I don't know. But he, he was, he, he was tremendous, and especially him and Molitor doing the Better BF Brown fight. They were tremendous in uh, announcing that fight. Loved it, and um, forget the undercard. Let's get to the main event. A uh, Better BF man. He, he's a fucking brute. He's, <laughs> he's, he's Ivan Drago in per, in real life. So this fight was uh, it was not super competitive, but if you want to see violence. I gave Brown the first two rounds. I gave Brown the first two rounds because better be have bided his time. But once better be have's engine started rolling, he systematically destroyed Brown. So the story of this fight was the fact was that there was an accidental clash of heads early in the fight, and then. Better BF suffered a really nasty cut, a real nasty gash on his forehead. And if you if you remember the Marcus Brown Badu Jack fight from a couple of years yep. ago, yep. this was almost exactly like that. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and you're a little squeamish, do not look this up. Do not look what Badu Jack looks uh, look like after uh, that fight. They both look like Stone Cold in his. WrestleMania 13 match against Bret Hart when he when he fainted. That's how bad the blood was because they were forehead cuts. You would have thought that they both cut themselves. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, yeah. It, it looked like like some of the worst blading you'd ever seen yeah. this side of the NWA. But <laughs> but yeah, Archer Better BF suffered a really bad cut. Was bleeding all over his face. His corner did a phenomenal job in dealing with the cut. But once he started smelling his own blood, like something, something switched. Like there was a switch that got flipped. Something inside him just awoken. And he just completely decimated Marcus Brown. Like this was a complete systematic destruction. Like yep. he he dropped them multiple times in the seventh and in the ninth round, he hurt him bad. Especially in the ninth round, Marvin hey. was landing bombs, bombs after bombs, and Brown he he couldn't he was unable to defend himself. He even I think at a time he dropped to a knee partially because of the sheer pressure that this man exerted with his punches. There's a reason the why body, this man is a hundred percent knockout ratio. He's that the dangerous. The body punching, the body punching was ridiculous. Uh, he broke him down with those hooks to the body. Uh, better be as a beast. Uh, I want to see him fight Baval next, and then 
Canelo afterwards. He's getting up there in age. He got he, to me. It should only be big fights from now on. No more Marcus Browns in the world. I want Bavall, Zerdo, and Canelo. Those are the only three guys he should be fighting next. Yeah. I- and I will say, credit to Arthur Better BF because he answered a lot of questions after the Adam Dines fight uh, from back oh, we in called March. It. We called it. That was COVID-related. That's it, why it was COVID. So- it was injuries. Yeah. It was the layoff. But now, instead of a almost year-and-a-half layoff, he was only up for the ring for just under nine months. You can tell his body was just completely well-rested. Like, yep. this is the Arthur Better BF that we're accustomed to seeing. And this Archer Batter BF, forget the light heavyweight division. This guy is one of the most dangerous fighters in all of boxing, period. In all of boxing. And the 175-pound division has some life to it. With Better BF, Baval, and you get into Zerto's fight next. And I believe, uh, Carlos, that Canelo will never fight at 168 again. He's going to cruiserweight. It's much easier for him to come down to 175. We saw what happened when Roy Jones and Tarver made that huge leap and then came back down. It would not be beneficial for uh, Canelo to go back to 168. I think he's done at 168. He's going to win the Cruiserweight title and then go down to 175 where he's got the depo- – he could feast off one of the winners of Zerto, Baval, or Zerto. Better be ever, better be of Baval. You have a little – you have a little – a mini 175-pound tournament with Canelo in the middle of it. Now, there's also Joe Smith Jr., who is the WBO champion. There's also him. He's the worst of these fighters. But uh, he makes for really exciting no. fights, you have to admit. Zerto, Bivol already beat him. Zerto and Better B have put him in the hospital. Uh, Joe, Joe's a one-trick pony. That's that's definitely not working against Better BF. Uh And Bivol, he's tailor-made for Bivol, as we saw before. The best-skilled fighter of all these guys is Bivol, but Carlos, has he gotten bad habits from fighting stiff after stiff after stiff? Hmm. I I don't know. That's a good question, and it, it's hmm. a question that I've been you know pondering myself for a little while. Is do these does fighting these you know subpar by comparison fighters? You you know you sometimes when, when we think about fighters and athletes in general, and when they rise up to the occasion, good and they compete at their best in, in the biggest stages against the biggest opponents. Well, the, the same could be said in the inverse. When you're going up against yep. the lower competition, you don't feel that urgency. You don't feel that pressure to have to be at your 100% because 90% can do it. 80% can do hey, it. And then the baseline the starts to lower over a period of time. guys he's beaten the last couple of years, 50%. <laughs> so speaking of... Sordo Ramirez, he headlined the zone card on Saturday against Unieski Gonzalez in Ramirez's quest to take out every single contender from 2014 and 15. He scores a 10th round TKO. Looks, again, looks good. And I, I, I think best to it's safe to admit, Gonzalez put up a better fight than a lot of people expected. But regardless... Let- uh, so Let me the, tell you something, Carlos. Gonzalez and Chisora showed the most intestinal fortitude this weekend other than better BF. They, in losing efforts, they gave a 1,000%. Uh, kudos to Gonzalez. But both Gonzalez and Chisora need to retire. So Ramirez gets the 10th round TKO. 
firmly plants himself as I would I would argue the top contender at 175 pounds today. And he's the top contender to Bavall, Smith, and Especially Benavidez. to Bavall, because yeah. this was the WBA light heavyweight title eliminator. So now you would expect that Bavall and Ramirez fight each other next. Both these guys fought in within the last you know, in yeah. less than two weeks. And so, what, hap- what happened to a proposed Smith better be a fight? Smith is fighting Callum next, right? Joe Smith Jr. is fighting Callum Johnson next. That's going to be, be taking place next month. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, after he fights Callum Johnson, and if he wins, I mean, I don't see any reason That's why not you can't of- fight. Yeah, I mean, they're both aren't they both top ranked fighters? Better be Evan Joe Smith. Yes, they are. All right, you can make that fight, and then you have a you have a mini tournament right there. Joe Smith versus Cal uh, versus Better Be mm-hmm. all versus Ramirez, and sitting in the back waiting for for everybody to beat up each other is Canelo and Canelo and get the winner of that tournament. Yeah, and it. In the absolute best case scenario, Canelo could potentially be fighting to be an undisputed champion at a second weight class, which only Without a handful of guys have ever happened. Right, and with only having to fight the one time, he doesn't have to go through the entire division like he did at 168. Right, right. Which is that you know on the Canelo side, it's pretty smart. You if if you end up going to cruiserweight and fighting Ilunga Makabu, you beat him. And then you eventually get to that best case scenario, become undisputed at one seventy five. I mean, that's as far it's as accomplishments wise, it's, it's one of the greatest boxing you know careers what? ever. It's going to be a tough task, though. I mean, it's not a given no. that he could beat better BF Bavall or Ramirez. Yeah, he beats Joe Smith because he allowed box Joe Smith. And I but, would say, you but, know what? I think he beats through the Ramirez. I think he beats through the Ramirez. Yeah, too. my bad. He beats through the yeah. He beats Ramirez. Canelo would pick him apart, but Bavall can out can definitely outbox Canelo and better be Ev. You have to hit him with a grenade, a rocket launcher, and a <laughs> Oh, that would be an incredible fight. Yes. Uh 175 is the most it's been alive in several years. Before we get to the next set of fights that we have to talk about, I have a question to ask you, the listener. Well, to ask, if you're listening to us for the first time, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now, only through their mobile app, please give us a five-star rating. It's very simple to do and is so beneficial for us as we attempt to climb through the podcast rankings in order to grow within the podcast ecosystem. It is very much appreciated. Go give us those five stars. Just, Just think we're the main event at the Tokyo Dome and you'll be able to give us those five stars pretty easily. So moving on to the, I guess kind of going back, the Zorda Ramirez fight was Saturday night, and there was a card on Saturday afternoon. We had Joseph Parker versus Derek Chisora in a heavyweight rematch that no one really asked for. No one really did. But boy, am I glad we got it. Because the both of these guys gave us a hell of a heavyweight fight. Parker and Chisora gave us... A ton of bombs gave us a lot of a lot of action. Parker 
drops Chisora multiple times throughout the fight. And every time Chisora gets dropped, we're all thinking Chisora's going to get stopped. He's going to get stopped right here and there. Then all of a sudden, he just... I don't know how to even... I don't even know how to explain it, but he just essentially hulks up, just starts getting this insane amount of energy every time he gets hurt, every time he gets dropped, and then all of a sudden makes the fight really, really tough for Joseph Parker. It made for a great crowd-pleasing fight, and kudos to Derek Chisora, who gave, as Robert mentioned earlier, he gave a thousand percent, showed a yep. level of intestinal fortitude that boxers today wish they can even attain a p part of it. But exactly. man, this was... This is one of those fights where you just start to think, boy, I'm glad we have this great fight, but boy, this is one of those fights that you you start to think Derek Chisora needs to hang it up because those are those fights are those are the types of fight that not just shorten careers, but shorten you know, you shave off a couple of years of your life. Parker wins by unanimous decision, 114-112, 115-111, and 115 uh, 110. Uh, First of all, Robert, what the hell are these scorecards? What the hell are these? Those scorecards were ridiculous because you're telling me that if it weren't for the knockdowns, he would have won a card? Yeah. Or, or it would have been a draw. Would have been a draw. That's ridiculous. That That's the first thing. Second of all, I agree with you about Chisora needing to retire. Uh, look at the amount of punishment he's taken. Two fights against Tyson Fury. Two fights against Dillian White, and now two fights against Joseph Parker. Those six fights alone should be enough for him to retire. And never mind the rest of his career. He's he's a warrior. He's a brawler, but he's he's done. Let's call it a day. He's taken far too much punishment, and he's no spring chicken. Uh, this is the most lively I've seen Joseph Parker in several years. Usually, Carlos mm -hmm. Joseph Parker likes to box safely and not getting it into it's the reason why he lost to anthony joshua he tried to outbox joshua and joshua outboxed parker parker didn't press um um joshua when parker fought andy ruiz he didn't press ruiz he mm -hmm. he, he stood outside and he boxed him he uh when he lost to dillian white it's because he didn't step up uh, not until not until the very end of the fight at least when it, it was too late it yeah. was too late if he would have fought like that from the beginning, he would have beaten White. And in this fight against Chisora, Chisora brought the best out of Parker. I love this Parker. This Parker is a dangerous fighter for any of the heavyweight champions or, or heavyweight top heavyweight contenders out there. I've always thought Joseph Parker had tremendous potential. Finally, Saturday, you saw an exciting heavyweight who's dangerous for anybody. And he's still very much alive in this heavyweight yep. title picture. Yep. The the problem here is that it's a picture that is filled with Tyson Fury's next fight, which will likely be against Dillian White, and then Alexander right. Usyk and Anthony Joshua. Those fights are right. likely to be happening in the spring. So yeah, but uh, gonna have why to don't we have, a while. Well, well, while he's waiting, there's guys. He, I mean, I would love. To see Joseph Parker fight Joe Joyce, uh, that'll be two guys with similar styles. Um, one would uh, who I think whoever steps up and is the more aggressor, the more aggressive, is the aggressor can win that fight. I've been intrigued by a 
uh, Joseph Parker versus Joe Joyce fight. Or Joseph Parker finishing off whatever's left of Daniel Dubois. There's guys for Parker to fight in the interim before he gets a shot at the title. And he keeps winning. He will get that title shot eventually. And going back to Derek Chisora for a quick second, I mean, can we just appreciate, like, the career this man has carved out for himself? He's fought everybody. He's fought everybody. I mean, he's just – he's like uh, he's a, somebody – He's a phenomenal throwback heavyweight. He's like uh, Ernie Shea was without the one-punch knockout power. Uh, Ernie yes. Shea was fought everybody. Ernie Shea was fought everybody. That's Derek Chisora or, Rand, or, or much more uh, talented Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb fought everybody, or Scott Ledoux. Scott Ledoux fought everybody. Chisora is a throwback to those three heavyweights. Since 2011, Chisora has fought Tyson Fury, Robert Helenas, and boy, how good does he look right now, Vitaly Klitschko, David Hay, Tyson Fury again, Kurat Pulev, Dillian White, Agit Kavayel, Carlos Takam, which, by the way, you haven't seen... You haven't not seen... Uh, Derek Chisora versus Carlos Takam. That was a really good fight. That was a great That's fight. A great fight. That was uh, a great Dillian fight. White twice. Uh, Alexander Usyk. And, and that fight was one of the best heavyweight fights of the last 10 years. His second fight with White, where White knocks him out one shot in a hell of a war. Yeah, that, oh my goodness, that was fantastic. Look, look at all these names that he's fought. So he's many fought great everybody. The only person he hasn't fought is Deontay Wilder. He fought everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty much, and he's given you so many entertaining fights, so many great memories. I mean, and this guy is in the UK. He's a regular pay-per-view headliner, which is amazing for a guy who, I mean, first of all, he's on a three-fight losing streak. He's lost four of his last seven, five of his last ten, and never won a world title. All the guys he's lost to are quality to great fighters. It, he hasn't lost any stiffs among those five losses. No, I mean, I I guess, uh, well, maybe I get coming up, but it, because he's an unproven guy who hasn't really he's been He's unproven, but, you know, he's solid. I mean, he's still not a stiff. There's not a single stiff on on, on, on in the last 10 years that he's lost to. No, not not at all. Uh, but Chisora said after the, after the fight... Almost immediately on Twitter, that he's coming back to fight in the summer. So, and, yeah, I don't think he's going to be retiring anytime soon. They're going to uh, they're going to pay him well, but I, he needs to retire because he could end up like um, Randall Cobb had serious problems. And Randall Cobb, if people don't, if people for, have forgotten, Randall Cobb had a tremendous Hollywood career until dementia took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, raising in Arizona, a whole bunch of stuff that he was tremendous in. But once he lost his faculties, he couldn't act anymore. I'm worried about Chisora. He's no spring chicken. How old is he? 38, 39? Uh, 37. <sighs> he needs to retire. But that's an old 37. He's an and old We're 37. talking about a 37-year-old with miles on his body from all the punishment he's taken the last decade. Yeah, I mean, it's... And he's fighting regularly. He's fighting semi-regularly still. He's fought three times in the last, was it 14 months? Yeah, yeah, three times in the last 14 months. When White knocked him out, he should have retired right then and there. That was a violent knockout. He was out on the canvas for about 10 minutes. It wasn't like he got right back up. He, he 
and Parker gave. And the him. crazy thing is, he fought four months later. Unreal. Yeah, he he's he's like the throwback. He's like the Cobb, Shavers, and Ledoux of their day of the late seventies, early eighties. He fights everybody. Not good enough to be heavyweight champion of the world, but good enough to give any fighter hell. Scott Ledoux, Randy Cobb beat Ernie Shavers. He he stopped Ernie Shavers. After Shea was hit with everything but the kitchen sink, uh, Scott Ledoux almost blinded Ken Norton in a fight that he should have won. They, they scored in the draw. He dropped Ken Norton three times in that fight. Uh, Chisora, is, he's a warrior, but like all warriors, they need to retire. He needs to retire. It's not going to end well if he continues to fight. And, of course, he's going to get paid well, Carlos. Like you said, he's a huge draw out in England. So the final... Boxing card to discuss was the PBC on, PBC on Fox slash FS1 card from the Armory in Minneapolis. Man event, David Morrell Jr. versus Alante's Fox. Morrell just completely dominates Alante's Fox for the four rounds that this fight took place. It was one-sided. It was a mismatch. It was a mismatch. Fox is not as good as, as Morrell. Morrell is a Man, he's talented, man. He's talented. Um, Carlos, who do you see next for him to fight? Because I, I enjoy watching him fight. The kid's got every punch in, the, in Arsenal. He's a Cuban fighter that has that fight uh, that fights aggressively. You don't see that often. No, from the Cubans. You, yeah, you do not see you know boxer puncher Cubans at at this day. You know, uh, but he's oh, a guy a who's wait a minute. Rick and, Rick and Dow and Ortiz are boxer punches, but they but they're like to, more the they, exceptions to the norm. More, right, right. They're they're not aggressive, but they could knock you. They both could knock you out one shot. Morrell is very aggressive, very aggressive. You're right. Um, more of a boxer puncher. The other two are, 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 are counter punches. So, but but before we kind of answer your question, the the end of this fight was actually very bizarre. Another thing that I also have never seen before. So the fight ends with the referee stopping the bout in the fourth round. Right before the stoppage, Alante's Fox's father, who's also his trainer, goes up to the ring. He tries to get the referee's attention, yelling at him, waving his arms around. Right, right, he doesn't right, throw right. the towel. But then you see a towel being thrown just on the corner of the camera. And your immediate thought is that, well, Fox's corner threw in the towel. But when you look at the replay, you look at Fox, and you look at where the corner, at where the towel was thrown, they're on complete opposite sides of the ring. It was David Morrell's corner who threw in the towel to try and alert the referee of Alante's Fox's corner wanting to end the fight. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Where I've never seen uh, Once again... Something new that I've never seen before where the other corner tries to throw in the towel to alert the referee that the other corner wants the fight to end. If this was like some rookie referee and he saw oh, that oh, towel. Fox, Fox would have got a bogus TKO. Would have been the. would have been. This would have been all, this like a real life Montreal screw job. Hey, I remember 
Japan about 30 years ago. It might have been 89, somewhere between 89 and 91. I remember, uh, I believe it was Warner Wolf on CBS, WCBS in New York, showed the highlights of this. There was a fight. I I, I don't remember who the fight was between Carlos, mm-hmm. but uh, one of the guys was getting his ass kicked in the corner. He was hurt, and his mother jumped up on the apron and started hitting his opponent with her shoe, with her heel. And I the referee this. intervened. The referee intervened. The guy couldn't continue, and the son won by technical knockout. <laughs> the referee was so bad, should have been disqualification. Oh, I'm sure that clip's on YouTube somewhere. Check yeah. it out. Oh, I yeah, vaguely it's remember it. It's from somewhere out there because I've seen this before. You've seen it. It, but you, it was a bizarre ending. The guy was getting his ass kicked. His mother intervened with her with her heel, beat the other guy with it. Referee stepped in. The guy went down. The referee called for timeout. The guy couldn't continue. The referee raised the other guy's head. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I've, yeah, that was, it's, it's insane. It's, I mean, this is the same sport where we had a fan drop into the ring from the skies. It, it's, this sport is just crazy. The sport is yeah, insane. And, and, and Riddick Bo almost, Riddick Bo's wife almost miscarried because of that clown. Yeah. We, okay, so obviously, technically speaking, David Morales, the WBA world champion at Super Metaverse, even though we, we, we kind of know what the deal is, but so we have to keep in mind. What do you, what do you think, what do you think is next for Morel? I mean, they have so many 168, 168 pound, pound fighters they can match him up with. I mean, here's a good, and, and I'm, here's and a I'm good, t- and I'm telling, and I'm telling people right now, Canelo's never going back down to 168. Those belts will be available probably within a year. Um, you, what's, uh, PBC, the Heyman crew can set up their own unification tournament after Canelo abdicates. Because they have Benavides and Charlo coming up and Morel. They oh they, oh, they still uh 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 Bottle Jacks one seventy five or one sixty eight right now. The Bottle Jacks cruiserweight. Oh my bad. Oh well um who else? Uh uh they got the Durrell brothers. They go. Oh, Dur- uh, I'm sorry, Andre's 175 now. Uh, you, 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 you can make your own. They can make their own tournament with the he, guys they have at 168. I, I think to me, the biggest thing holding uh, David Morrell back is the fact that I think this guy, skills wise, he's tremendous. But I think that yes. he still needs a little bit more seasoning. I think he still needs some more pro experience. Here's well, the what name. about a fight between him and um, Anthony Durrell? That could work. That 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 could very well work. He's uh, definitely ready for an Anthony Durrell. Yes, I was gonna say to a lesser degree, maybe Anthony Sims Jr., who I think is a slightly I better like fighter than too. Elante's Fox. And I like that. I like and that he just too. and he fought on the non-TV portion of Saturday's card where he stopped Manny Woods in in the third round. So you know they both fought on the exact same night on the same card. I don't think it would be unreasonable to think that that could be a potential Fox headlining fight. How about Caleb Plant versus David Morrell? 
I mean, I like that. I, that's I don't intriguing. know. That's an intriguing fight. It is. I just don't know if they'll put him, throw him into the fire in that manner quite yet. Maybe within a year they do. I just don't think immediately. No, I think the guy uh, of Anthony Sims Jr. I think for the next fight. I think David Morrell could beat Caleb Plant right now if they fought. Really? Yes. I think Morrell's that good. I don't I think, think they should shoot him anymore. I think he's great too. I just don't think he still needs to. I think he still has a little bit of seizing left to do because he's only got. Be six- a hell of, it would be a hell of a fight, Carlos, because he's going to be pressing Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant would have to. It would be a tremendous fight. I I I would love to see that. And plus, uh, Caleb, could, if he wins, he, he he gets one of his titles back. <laughs> so yeah, like Morrell has fought only six times as a pro, and only once has he ever fought past the fourth round. So, I look this guy. I think to me, I think he's the goods. I I just still yeah. want to see him. I think there's you can develop him just a tiny bit more. Plus, he's got a new trainer in Ronnie Shields that I think you can still build some sort of rapport with a little bit more. And look, it's looking like the like the relationship is working off very well because I thought you can argue this may have been Morale's best performance as a pro yet. It was. It's it, it's easily his best performance. He he gets better with each fight. I I I just because. Of his Cuban amateur background and 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 in his skill set, I I don't want him to I I'm tired of seeing him even though it's only a seventh pro fight coming up, fighting guys that have no shot at beating him. It's That's time for him to fight guys that have a shot at beating him, like a Caleb Plant, like an Anthony Durrell. That's fair. I I I I would not be opposed to that. That'd be a great Fox made event. Morel versus Caleb Plant, that, and they certainly would draw. It would that draw would be a, they, they, they'd make that a pay per view. God, speaking of pay per view, you know that you know they'd make that wouldn't be free. That'd be a pay per view. <laughs> speaking of pay per views, here we go. <laughs> PBC announced its next pay per view. It'll it'll take place on February fifth. At the Michelob Ultra Arena in Las Vegas. And you can tell by the tone of my voice that I'm very, very excited for this fight. It is Keith Durbin. Fighting for the first time in 30 months. Against Mario Barrios. Who's just coming off of a loss to Gervonta Davis. It was a great fight. But he is coming off a loss. Keith Durbin's coming off a loss. Both of these guys are headlining pay-per-view that will likely cost $70. You know, you would think to yourself, well, the undercard's got to be fantastic. Well, <laughs> the co-main event is Leo Santa Cruz taking, uh, coming back from his Homer-esque odyssey to back to featherweight to fight Keenan Carbajal, who is the nephew of Michael Carbajal. You can tell this right now, Keenan is nowhere near as good as his uncle. That's the co-main uh, event. Up, it's not even a world title a... fight. Leo Santa Cruz is coming it... back to featherweight. He's still the WBA featherweight champion, but this is not a featherweight title fight. Uh, Michael Carvajal, at 70 years old right now, would have a better shot at uh, beating uh, Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, that's a horrible uh, co-feature. Co- co- Abel Ramos versus Jose Cito Lopez. It's a, 
it's a good fight. It's a you know that's a good fight. It, it's that's a really a good, good fight. fight. Yeah, yeah. And then you got Luis Netti versus Carlos Castro. It, there's something wrong with your pay per view if your bottom two fights are infinitely more intriguing fight. than your co-main event and your main event. That wait a minute, Thurman Barrios could be a good fight. It it's just not a, it's just not a pay per view fight. Here's my problem. Thurman, and I get it, when he was active, he was must-see TV, and I know the and I know the story, he fought Danny Garcia at the Barclays Center, the fight peaked 5.1 million viewers on CBS, I know the story, I was there, I was ringside at that fight, covering that, uh, covering that fight, I was there, and I don't have a problem with Keith Thurman at all, I think, he, uh, outside the ring, I think he's a very intellectual guy i remember spending uh days before the danny garcia fight and i learned so much about boxing just from listening to him for 25 minutes it was it was astounding but you're telling me that your reward for not fighting for 30 months coming off a loss to a 40 plus year old senator from the philippines and of course i i'm saying this so facetiously of course it's manny pacquiao but the point is you lose a fight, don't appear for 30 months, and you're rewarded with a fucking pay-per-view main event in a nothing fight? Robert, let's be like, okay, look, it's a good fight. Mario Barrios versus Keith Thurman is going to be a really good fight. It's going to be a good fight, but it's not a pay-per-view What the hell are the stakes here? It's, what the hell does the winner get? What, the, what does the winner get? What Nothing. does the winner get? It ain't no world title eliminator. Because Thurman's been you... outside of the rankings for well over a year. Barrios is not a welterweight. He's moving up from junior welterweight. Junior welterweight, yep. What are the stakes? The winner the winner gets to live for another day. <laughs> you can't tell me. Well, the winner could fight. Could fight Errol Spence. Fred got some bad news. Errol Spence already prepping to fight your Dennis Ugas. Uh-huh. Uh, and, so, and isn't he obligated to fight the winner of Stanios? I can never say. Stanios, Stanionis. And I can't say the other guy's name. Isn't the, isn't the winner oblig, of that fight obligated to fight the winner of Stanionis versus the guy whose name I can't pronounce? Okay. So the update on the Errol Spence situation is the following. Over the weekend, the WBA has announced that Amanda Stanionis is willing to step aside to allow Errol Spence and Jordanis Ugas to fight each other. That would be a three-belt unification in the WBC, IBF, and WBA. The thing about this is, Ugas was already ordered to fight Stanionis in a four-man box-off to have a single WBA welterweight champion. The other side of that tournament was Jabal James versus Rashad Butaev for the regular WBA title that but that Jamal James had. Butaev scored a ninth round TKO win over James, so now he's the new WBA yep. regular champion. And now uh-huh. the WBA is saying, okay, winner of Ugas versus Spence will get to fight the winner of Butaev versus Danionis. Which I think, I, which I think it's fair. I think it's under. I think it's an understandable uh, compromise. 
So where does that leave Bud Crawford? Because now he's not fighting the winner of Spence Ugas for at least a year. That is a great question because here's the here's kind of the problem. Crawford is in a very very delicate situation. You look at what's who's out there in the welterweight division. There really isn't a whole lot. Spence and Ugas. If you ask, are, me, if you ask U- me, you've asked me. There's only one person he can fight, and it's not going to be the amount of money he could get if he waited a year or two, and that's Jerron Ennis. Who else is there to fight? Yeah. So you got his, that could give him a sh- that could actually have a shot at beating him because those, those other guys he's not going to make the same amount of money, and he's going to walk through them with ease. So unless Ugas he fights the winner Thurman Barrios, Ugas and Spencer. Fighting Ugas and Spence are fighting each other. Stanionis and Butaev are likely fighting each other. Yeah. Virgil Ortiz and Michael McKinson are likely fighting each Where'd other. They talk? I read that they w- were going to put that fight on the undercard of Ugas Spence. What fight? Uh, Stanionis and Butaev? Yeah, they were talking about putting that. I read that today that they talk about putting that on the undercard. Of Spence Ugas, which only makes sense. It makes sense, yeah, yeah. And I've heard similar things too. It makes all the sense in the world if you, if Spence and Ugas are okay with that condition of uh, with the condition set forth by the WBA. It makes all the business sense in the world to try to expose the other side of that bracket, yeah, uh, that unofficial yeah. bracket, uh, to you know get the rub, as they say in wrestling. From being so close to Spence versus Ugas, because now you can start building up that fight for yep. the summer or early fall. You can absolutely do that. Yeah, and what, where does that leave Bud? That's the problem. Where does that leave Bud? Because here's the thing: based on everything that has been going on, based on all the comments both sides have been throwing at each other since the end of the Sean Porter fight. Boy, is it not the worst optics in the world if Crawford came back to top rank. It's it, it would look so bad on Terrence Crawford if he were to just go back and say, "Oh, let, how about I fight?" Well, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have to go. I mean, he could do a one fight deal and fight uh, Josh Taylor. Yeah, but that no, but that would mean Crawford would have to wait all the way until the summer because Josh Taylor defending his title against Jack Catterall. Well, then who's Bud going to fight between now and then? There's only one name then, because also Virgil Ortiz has a fight sign that he just signed, right? Yeah. 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 It looks like he's going to be fighting Michael McKinson. So, so the only the only available fighter for the fight is Jerron Ennis. There's nobody else that the public will want to see because nobody wants to see Terrence Crawford fight another welterweight like uh, Amir Khan. Or Kel Brook, we we don't want to see that, right? And hell, but Amir Khan public- and Kel Brook are going to be busy. They're going to yeah. be fighting each other. Yeah. Uh, it's either T- to me, Josh Taylor. You want to? To me, my I would say, Jerron Ennis, Josh Taylor, David Avanesian. Uh, Nobody wants to see him fight Alvin Isian. No, that, that, that's that's, that's another a, guy 
Nah, no. Forget Avanesian. I, 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 I like that's it. not sexy enough. Bud Crawford needs a sexy opponent. Yeah. Avanesian is not a sexy opponent. And right. he has no shot in hell at beating Bud Crawford. I mean, you're right in the sense that he's not a sexy opponent. No, I mean, I, I actually would not be surprised. And especially if, if Bud Crawford wants to make the amount of money he thinks he's worth. He can only do that against two guys not named Spence and Ugas, and that's Gerard Ennis and Josh Taylor. You know who I would love to see him fight, but it won't happen is Regis Progress. Yeah. Also, I, w- I wish they could throw him in the mix. I, I-, I think that would be a great fight, too. Oh, that would be it- great. That would be a hell of a Here's what I think might actually happen. I think Crawford is going to wait until after Keith Durbin in Mario Barta's fight, because I think especially if Keith Thurman fights, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Crawford versus Keith Thurman. I, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that as long as Crawford stays active and fights a sexy name. Keith Thurman, if he knocks out Barrios impressively and shows some of his old form, because be honest, the last time I saw a good Keith Thurman was against uh, Garcia and, and Porter. He hasn't been... He, he looked horrible against Josecito Lopez and Manny Pacquiao. He did not look like the old Keith Thurman. If he shows some form of his old flash, that's a sexy thing for Terrence Crawford. So we got, we actually got some boxing on Christmas Day, believe it or not, which I honestly cannot remember the last time. There's been any boxing in the U.S. on Christmas Day, but we got some. We got Vito Milnicki Jr. headlining a PBC on Fox card from New Jersey against Nick DeLomba, which, I mean, it's a good... Obviously, PBC is still still believes in Vito Milnicki Jr. even after the loss to James Martin. He looked good, uh, you know, and I think it's great that they're bringing him back and fighting so many so often after a loss, because what good does the what what good will it do if Milnicki stays inactive for eight nine months? I'm glad that he was brought back to fight three months after that loss, and now he's fighting five months later, and he's going to be headlining a show in Newark, New Jersey. I think it's great. I don't know how much attention this is going to draw because it's on Christmas Day. But I wonder how many I wonder how many empty seats will be in that building. And uh, what does the other card look like? I mean, there's a lot of names on the. I don't know if there's a. I do we'll have to check because there's a lot of fights. There is a lot of fights on the undercard. So I just don't. Fox, I just don't know a... what's going to be on TV. I don't. Okay. Uh, oh, actually, no. Hold on. Uh, Joey Spencer versus uh, Limberf Ponce. That, That's gonna be, be a, the Kobe. They always event. they always show Joey. They always show Joey. Yeah, okay. I don't see anything that's I don't see anything else. They maybe maybe later in the week they'll say uh, the they'll have an FS1 card. I don't know. But I mean, hell, I mean you gotta do something. I guess Fox wants to do, put some type of live sporting event. Uh, to combat the the NBA because I mean it's per- getting it's getting murdered by the NBA, right? Uh, the NBA Christmas is a tradition, and you see the the NFL's not even throwing a Saturday game out there. No, they the, are. They the are. NBA, 
Oh, wait, what time is the Saturday game? Uh, I know the Browns are going to get blown out by the by the Packers because that's going to be on Christmas Day. I believe there's the second game. Uh, All right. Well, that 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 the Packers are a big ratings. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so Browns Packers at four thirty on Christmas Day, and then Colts Cardinals at eight fifteen. Oh yeah, we mentioned that before, right? And by the way, uh, all four teams are in the playoff hunt. Packers trying to get the number one seed. Cardinals trying to get the West and the number one seed. The Colts trying to catch the Titans, and the Browns stay, uh, barely wa- staying alive. In the I, I don't want to talk so, about the Browns, man. I, I'm sick to my stomach after the loss to the Raiders. I'm sick look, to my need, stomach. You need you need to get rid of Baker Mayfield. Uh, you could have had a Lamar accent. Remember that. Continue. <laughs> man, I don't know what time. I, I, I will say, I'm a lot more excited about the NBA on, on Saturday, which, I mean, this is, it's a grand tradition in my household uh, in Puerto Rico where we would, where my dad and I would try to watch all the NBA games and my dad, until my dad inevitably falls asleep by the time the fourth game uh, enters the fourth quarter. And I, you know, with no school the following day, just stays up and watch NBA for like 13, 14 hours. And, I mean, I got to say, I I quite like all these all these games on, on, on Christmas Day. You know, Hawks you know, against funny. the Knicks, the Celtics for against— For years, Carlos, for years, there was only one game on Christmas Day. For years. And that would be the Knicks would host— Christmas Day, Master Square Garden, that'd be the only game for years until I believe the nineties when they made it a double header and in the two thousands they made it a triple header and now what is it, a quadruple header? Quintuple. Quintuple, God damn. You went from one game to five and you know, the Knicks still play, but they play amongst other amongst other teams. Um Hawks Knicks would be interesting because Trey Young is the new Reggie Miller. For 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 Nick for for Nick haters, uh, he's gonna what, he's what gonna drop game? forty at the guard. He's gonna drop forty. Oh, he he uh, he, he, he he will. <laughs> he will. <laughs> yeah, you got Boston at Milwaukee, Golden State at Phoenix. Which oh man, that, that oh is, that's the game of the day. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Brooklyn that, at the, the Lakers. Right there. Now, lately, uh, I know we're off off the topic, but I wanted to discuss this with somebody. I got Carlos on, 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 on the podcast. I'm going to ask him, have you ever seen a player, not even Jordan, like LeBron this year on national television, goddamn almost every game? The Lakers are on ESPN or TNT every game. No, it's... They're on, they're on tonight. Yeah. As we speak. <laughs> yeah, I mean the and LeBron and the, and the Lakers are getting blown out. By the way, it doesn't matter. You, you see the 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 ratings this year, but the NBA is up tremendously mm-hmm. uh, because LeBron's on every game. He's on every. He's on almost every night. Yeah, uh, especially now with so much intrigue around this new. I wouldn't say new look Lakers team, but it's the team that has. Then now you have Russell Westbrook. They're not that it, good. They're not that good, but no. they get monster ratings, and they're on TV every two, three times a week. 
you don't if you're a Laker fan, you don't need the NBA package. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, and I can guarantee you the Lakers are gonna get super monster rating because their game's at eight and they're go- and they're going up against Is the that Nets. Game on ABC or ESPN? Both. Oh, they're getting a monster rating. Well, you know, um, it'll be I think uh, a thousand people will attend that uh, that that uh PBC on Fox card and um uh, record low ratings for a Fox that night as well. <laughs> I will say I am. I'm actually curious. You okay, got the NFL and LeBron. Yeah, no, forget it. Get it. So, I actually am curious to see how the ratings hold up because the ratings that we got for this for the Morel card were oh they were they were very good. I mean, they, they were decent. They were decent. They were not Considering great. What they've been getting recently. I mean, but you don't. And um, there was an NFL game that night too. Yeah, That's solid. Was, it was de- they were decent numbers. Eight hundred twenty-two thousand viewers for the whole broadcast. Uh, PBC on FS1 prelims did not crack the top one hundred and fifty on cable in the eighteen to forty-nine yeah, but, you know, demo. But FS1 is not in a lot of households, so I, no. I never look at. Well, but they're not. But it's kind of a. But it's a bad look when the broadcast before and after the FS1 cars did actually crack the top one hundred and fifty. So they. Yeah, uh, and the main event did, I believe, just a, I don't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head if it peaked at just a little over a, a million or the fight averaged at just over a million. Regardless, the 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 the, the main event did get to a million, but it's not the. It's a bit of a far cry from the pre-pandemic numbers where but it was also. But look at the cards that they've been throwing on Fox. It's been garbage. It, it has garbage. It has. Uh, yeah, it, it does feel to me like there's the focus has been more on pay-per-views than trying to load up on the Fox shows. That that seems to be the message there or the vibe I'm getting from Fox. As long as the pay-per-views are doing solid, they they don't really care much for the Fox shows. Remember they used to have Errol Spence and Deontay Wilder and Keith Thurman and Broner before he forgot how to fight? And they had all – they used to throw great talent on Fox. Now, if it's a great talent – Well, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Wilder's never fought on uh, – Wilder's rarely fought on Fox. He did fight on Fox. Rarely. He fought more on yeah. Showtime than Don. No, but I, he did fight on Fox uh, when he beat when he beat uh, Stavern for the title. That was on Fox. No, that was on Showtime. You sure? You're thinking of Gerald Washington. Gerald, that's my bad. Gerald Washington. When he knocked out Gerald Washington. Yeah, that was on Fox. Yeah. Stavern was on Showtime. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I, I, I don't oh, remember. Let's, hold up. Hold up. Back, back. Let's backtrack. No, it was either Fox or CBS because Layla Ali was one of the was one of the announcers, and she never worked for Showtime. Which fight are you talking about? I'm not the when he first won the title. When he first uh, won the title, that was the first fight against uh, Bermain Stavern. That was on Showtime. You sure? Because Layla Ali was there. Uh, I, I'm looking at the okay. on box record said is was on Showtime. Okay, so what? How many fights has he had on um Fox, CBS, uh? Outside of uh, Showtime. Okay. I'm going through these. Uh, 
I'm going through it from his from the start of his title rank till now. So go ahead. Stavern, Showtime. Eric Showtime. Molina, Showtime. Johan Duhaupas, NBC. Arthur Spielka, uh-huh. Showtime. Chris uh-huh. Ariola, Fox. Fox. Gerald Washington, Fox. Fox. Uh Stavern 2, that was the Showtime. That Luis Showtime. Ortiz, Showtime, Tyson Fury, pay-per-view, Brazil, Showtime, Ortiz, pay-per-view, Fury, he, he Fury, pay-per-view, on, pay-per-view. So the last time he was on Fox was against uh, Washington? That, yep, that was four years ago. Almost so five. Washington, oh, so I'm saying pre-pandemic, Fox had major stars. Post-pandemic, like you said, how many? So what did they, uh, Sean Porter fought on Fox against a stiff, right? Yeah, he fought okay. against uh, Sebastian Formella. That might have been the biggest name they've had since the pandemic. <laughs> it actually might have. It actually Sean Porter. Sean Porter in that first Fox card, he actually might have been. I think he might have been the biggest name uh, since since then. Because because uh, Showtime's been loading up on their cards. They've they they have bo- the the Charlo brothers fighting on Showtime during the pandemic. Right. Wilder's right. been fighting on pay-per-view. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I'm trying to look here. Yeah, I mean, look, they've had they've had big names over the you know, but that was like four or five years ago. That was when that was when PBC and Fox were still on a time on the period where they didn't no, have I'm, a contract I'm, where they have where PBC had to buy the. The but time they did event, but Fox did eventually give them a paid contract. Yes, but after that, they—it's not like you had Spence and Wilder and those guys fighting regularly on no. Uh, no. Uh, on Fox. But Fox has been put were, did put out some great shows. It just did. It just that none of them happened during the pandemic. That's the problem. Nope. No, it's been garbage ever since the pandemic and. You see, it gets worse with each card, cause this uh new uh, Christmas Day fiasco on Fox, which they should call it, at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. So, I hell even the FS1 cards at times are actually better. I was more yeah. intrigued by the main event of the FS1 card on Saturday than the Fox card, which was Richardson Hitchens versus Malik Hawkins, and uh, Hitchens looked really good. Once a, he gave him a one. He gave him a one-sided beat. He looked very well. He looked. That's the best I've seen him. It, it, yeah, and Hitchens is a guy that now. I mean, obviously, this was a fight where Mayweather Promotions was essentially saying, "Okay, whoever wins this fight, we're hedging our bets in for for the next two, three years." And Hitchens, boxing-wise, looked every bit the part of a guy who could be a real player at 140 pounds very soon. Is there is there any uh, is there any better young promoter in the game right now than Floyd Mayweather with 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 all this talent that he's amassed? It's hard to it's hard to think of one better immediately. I mean, look at the. I mean, you're right. I mean, Floyd Mayweather, he doesn't have a deep roster, but the guys that he picks. Way more often than not, yep, are big hits. Yep, starting with Javante Davis, now Hitchens. He's he, 
Floyd's got a great eye for talent. He inherited that from his uncle and his father. I give him that. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a great eye for talent, and he knows. And he, and kudos to Floyd as a promoter and a mentor. He when he doesn't just take guys in and willy nilly. He, like he takes time, and uh, he's at the, and he's to, with these guys. He's and, and, with he, them. and he invites them to uh, to their to his house and watch some tape and see where he and see what they can work on. I think I remember the story was that Hitchens was invited to Floyd Mayweather's house and they were watching tape of Michael Nunn. Hey, how about when he was working with Haney? And Haney's not even a Floyd Mayweather fighter. No, and and listen, as tiresome and as terrible some of the some of the Haney Mayweather comparisons are, you I understand why. I get it. I don't think that Haney's deserved such comparisons. But uh, you I know, get it. Yeah, have you heard my nickname for Devin Haney? What? Fraud Mayweather. <laughs> oh, Robert, play nice. He fraud Mayweather until he proves that he can take a punch. Fraud Mayweather. But 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 back to uh back to Floyd. No kudos to Floyd. Um, he's done a great job at developing young talent at a time when the sports need it, needs it. So um. Floyd, and and, and say what you will about you know Javante yeah. Davis is develop uh, you know whether is he fighting fighting the Lomachenkos or the Theofimo Lopez of the world or, or whatever, but one thing you cannot deny: the plan that they set out for Javante Dav- Davis and to grow him into a star, you cannot deny that plan has been working tremendously. That 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 that's that Floyd following his own blueprint. Uh, kudos to Floyd. Uh, he continues, and um, Hitchens is in the right hands. Um, that's why I wanted uh, Shakur Stevenson to be on the Floyd. Floyd wanted Shakur. He went to top rank, and uh, that's another uh, explosion for another day because I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Shakur. Uh, Carlos Shakur comes off an incredible virtuoso performance, and no mention of who's next fight against is. Even though you have a ready-made opponent, they don't want to make that fight. I don't understand it. Yeah, and and with, about the potential fights against you know Oscar Valdez, those are looking more less and less likely. Likely, it, it, uh, I don't top... understand why not because they're both promoted by the same guy. It's a unification fight. I don't understand it. Top rank announced that Hobson Conceição versus Xavier Martinez are going to be fighting in a WBC featherweight super featherweight title eliminator on January 29th, two thousand twenty-two, on ESPN. Yeah, obviously the winner of that Oscar fight Valdez, fights uh, Oscar Valdez, right? Yeah, but obviously the winner will get a WBC Super Featherweight title shot. So who the hell does Shakur Stevenson fight next? My, I, I, I mean, it. I he's it's, he's it looks like he's going through the same thing Terrence Crawford went through at top rank. It makes no sense to me. Like Bob Aaron was saying, you know, you know. Shakur and Lomachenko could Carlo, be a great fight. A year ago, like, Carlo, not happening. A year ago, we were talking about how everybody wanted Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson, that they both wanted to fight each other. Now, we know Shakur wants Oscar Valdez. When they ask Oscar Valdez, he's silent. He's quiet. He's not even pressing for that fight. Why? I don't know. Could be uh, maybe he doesn't want to fight. Maybe he doesn't think the rewards enough. Maybe maybe he his maybe he's not as confident as he 
as he used to be after following the fight against Hobson Kante Sao. Shakur could end his career. The beating he'll give Oscar Valdez. I think that's why. You think it's because uh, Valdez is confident? He he doesn't have a shot in the world to beat Shakur Stevenson. He knows this. If Robson could... If Robeson could do what he did uh, uh, to uh, Valdez, Shakur's not getting tired. And he's not hitting Shakur. Shakur's going to hit Valdez all night long. That's why I don't believe Valdez wants to fight, and Aram doesn't want to upset Valdez, so he's backed off. Yeah, I, 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 don't, know what the, I don't know what the deal is, but that's another— but all along, for months— they were talking about this four-man tournament with Shakur, Herring, Valdez, and now nothing. Nothing. And now you got this WBC eliminator. You know Valdez is fighting the winner of that, and who Shakur's fighting next? I don't know. And there's no Navarrete in the picture anymore, right? And there's no Miguel Burchell in the picture anymore. Well, well actually, well, Burchell, I believe he did sign back with top rank. All right, well, you know what? In the meantime, that's a good fight. They put, that's a good fight. Why don't they put Burchell with Shakur? Shakur will beat the hell out of Burchell. Uh, but I, w- I would love to see it because Burchell thought that. You thought Valdez gave Burchell a boxing lesson. Mm-hmm. He hit Valdez. He ain't hitting Shakur. Shakur will beat the living hell hell out of Burchell. Burchell's tailor-made for Shakur. I, I hope he'll make that fight. Make that fight because he'll end Burchell's career. All right, Robert. Where can the good people read your work and find you on Twitter? You could uh, on Twitter. My handle is Robert Silva five seven six eight. Right now on Fight Game Media, the parent company of this website, the parent web the parent website company of this podcast. My bad. I'm doing a, a series of article called "The Forty Five Greatest." Fighters in the last 45 years. My most recent was number 25, Ricardo Finito Lopez. Well, right now I'm, I'm working on number 24, and I'm going to give a hint. I'm not going to say who it is. But my number 24 fight, fighter of the last 45 years is also my pick for fighter of the year. So that should give it away right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro Media, and you can also read my work at FightGameMedia.com. That'll do it. He's Robert Silva. I'm Carlos Toro, and that is it for the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. We'll see you all in the next one. Have a good one, everyone.